Welcome to episode two of the Redeemer Radio 95.7 Sports Summer Series. I'm Redeemer Radio Sports Director Angel DiCarlo, Jacob Morris, Syracuse junior-to-be and St. Joe High grad, joining us here as our co-host along with the new boys basketball coach at St. Joseph High School, Eric Gaff. Eric, thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate the time and uh, new boys basketball coach. It's been a few months. You knew it was going to happen for, for a little while, but uh, how exciting has this transition been from being the assistant for the last two years to now being the uh, head man in charge with Mark Johnson uh, retiring? Well, first, thanks for having me. Uh, it's official now. I'm officially a head coach now that you are interviewing me. Um, it's been kind of a whirlwind couple months, you know, uh, I think everyone kind of knew Mark was, was done and, and ready to go. Um, you know, it started to kind of sneak out throughout the season that he was kind of done. And, and, um, you know, when he finally did say he was, done, I think people were still in shock. Um, and, and then, uh, when I got, you know, the official nod that I was head coach, it, it was exciting. And then there's that, like, oh man, I got a lot of work to do. You know, we got to do some rebuilding and we got to, um, you know, kind of develop some of our younger guys who played behind some really good talented seniors. And so we've had a busy summer, but, you know, it's starting to pay off and, and we're having a good time while we do it. So you mentioned, you know, a little bit of that rebuilding that goes into it, obviously such a talented senior class, you guys make it to semi-state. It's an interesting time to take over for you, you know, just kind of detail what those few first few months have been like, what summer workouts have been like, and what, you know, kind of the process of taking over and beginning that rebuild is going like? Well, I'm lucky in that I'm taking over for Mark Johnson, who um, no matter where you go look, uh, whichever school you want to go look at his career, he built a successful program. He built a winning culture and a culture that develops, you know, kids into young men. So um, in that respect, I'm very lucky. And the, the guys that are coming back are junior class to be seniors. Um, kind of knows expected and, and I didn't have to do too much um, and they're doing a great job being leaders. Um, our biggest issue is we lost, you know, probably arguably one of the best players, you know, from our area, you know, kind of almost all time or he would be on that list and, and then some really, really good guys around him that if they were on any other high school team would probably be their best player. Um, and so, you know, the question is, you know, Mark and I still talk about it every day and, and he's like, well, who's going to be your guy? And, um, I think I'm lucky that I got a group of four or five guys that are really, you know, um, unselfish and, and they find ways that everyone gets involved. And, and so it will be a little bit different than where we were last year, but um, it's exciting to kind of tinker and find new ways to make our team successful and, and be uh, hopefully a, another semi-state-esque team or at least a team that could compete for one. I know the JV program was pretty successful under, under junior Scott last year and, you know, getting to compete in practice against J.R. Kinesny, Will Terry, Jack Fuda. How much did that help this group now that they're they're often going up against those guys in practice to 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 improve so that they're now ready to be the to the starters this upcoming season? Well, I think they just get a lot of confidence because they get on the floor and, and they go, oh, you're not as good as a Will Terry or you're not as good as Jack Fuda. Or you're nowhere near J.R. And, and so they have kind of that that confidence that, you know what, I was able to limit JR to, you know, a few buckets in practice. And, you know, I was able to kind of stay in front of them a couple of times or, you know, wherever they can get their confidence from. And, and so they have that confidence. Um, the other thing is those guys did a great job of showing what, uh, you know, was expected, what kind of work you have to put into the game to be successful. And, and it's shown up, you know, guys knew last year, 
I would always try and beat Mark to the gym. So Mark would say, I'm going to be there. You know, if we had practice at 8, he'd say, guys, be there at 720. That's a lie. He's not getting there at 720. He's getting there at like 705. And so, you know, I would get there, you know, 655 or whatever I had to do to beat Mark Johnson, um, you know, to show that, you know, hey, I'm as good as you are. I'm better than you. And so the guys um, caught that little contest me and Mark had going because I didn't always win. Um, <laughs> and so I show up, you know, to summer workouts. We go early. And, uh, you know, we had some 7 a.m. summer workouts. And you know, I got texts like, hey, coach, where are you at? And I was like, I'm like 10 minutes out. You know, guys showing up at 6 in the morning, 6.05 to, you know, put in some extra work. And, and it's very exciting. It makes me um, – makes my life a little easier, I should say, as a coach because we got guys in the gym just really putting the time in. When you talk about taking over for Coach Johnson, obviously his legacy speaks for himself. And it's a complicated question, but how do you balance, you know, maintaining some of the culture, the fantastic culture he's built at St. Joe, while also, you know, adding an element of your coaching tenure, of a twist of your coaching style as well? Um, well, this might shock you, but I'm not quite as loud as Mark Johnson is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's okay. You know, that's me and, and – um, so for me to keep the, the culture kind of going is you hold the same line. You know, Mark had, um, you know, like you're going to be here at this time, right? You're on the floor 20 minutes before practice, ready to go. You're not there 20 minutes before to put your shoes on. It's 20 minutes before ready to go. And we're not changing that. You will be there 20 minutes before, ready to go, um, non-negotiable. And so we just hold those you know, different things, whether it's, you know, your jersey's tucked in, your shoes are tied, all those little things, those things just keep driving our culture. And, and um, we pushed hard this summer, especially with our guys, our seniors, um, to, to say, hey, like, you guys have to help us out, keep this going. We've done a great job um, talking to our incoming freshmen who are, you know, pretty talented, we're pretty excited about. And then our, you know, sophomores and next group of guys coming in for the junior. So I think it's, it's a two-part process from the coaching standpoint and then getting leaders that are on the floor pushing the same message. And as far as adding my own twist, um, I think Coach Jay was good about letting me kind of be my own coach in practice. So the guys returning know what they know what to expect from me. Like, you know, I didn't show up day one of being head coach and all of a sudden decided I'm going to throw a clipboard and snap something and scream and yell. You know, that, that's not me. And, and um, I just showed up and they knew what to expect. Um, I did throw him a curveball. I made him read a book this summer. And, and, um, so I don't know if they're overly excited about that, but, you know, that's kind of a twist where I want our guys to, to take a few more steps forward and being leaders and being um, quality young men on and off the floor. What was the book and uh, what, what made you choose that book? Uh, so it's uh, the book's called Raise Your Game by Alan Stein, um, who was a player development guy for DeMatha High School um, and then went on to train guys like, you know, Kevin Durant and Kobe Bryant you know, all that. Um, so I kind of followed him back when I was a young player and he was just getting started. He was doing, you know, you know, coaching clinics and things like that. And, and I started paying attention to them and he wrote this book. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if it's good. And, and so I, I got a copy for myself and, and I loved it. It was broken up into three parts, uh, player, coach, team. And, um, you know, I read, I don't know, five pages in and I go, oh my gosh, like, I need my guys to read this. This is going to be something that will hopefully help guys that might have been afraid to step in and be a leader. Um, and I think sometimes guys feel like a leader has to be the alpha or the guy that's yelling and screaming and being the leading scorer. Um, 
And I think that book kind of helped that that doesn't have to, you can be a leader from the bench. You can be a leader in the locker room. You can be a leader um, in the hallways. You know, there's a number of places for you to lead and find that area where you can help lead. So um, they read through it. We finished, I think most of the guys are finished up now and, and we'll, and, um, and it, it's actually paying dividends. I highly recommend it. It's a good book. Um, I'll loan you a copy for sure. It's, it's an excellent book. And then going back to sort of your college days at Grace College, you know, an All-American, you guys make two Elite Eight runs your junior and senior year. Um, what can you take from that, as simple as it might seem? You know, you went from being a six-foot high schooler to growing almost a foot, and you had a fantastic college career. And what did you learn throughout your college career that you can apply to coaching now at the high school level? Uh, I think, you know, as a player, I knew what I wanted to do, right? I wanted to be the best player I could be, and, and I want to take basketball as far as it would let me take it. And um, so that meant, like, you know, extra workouts and bothering coaches, you know, hey, how can I get better at this? Or what would you do, you know, to get better and, and constantly looking to get better? Um, and the same goes as a coach. You know, I, I don't know everything, and I don't think I ever will. But, you know, I'll talk to every single coach that will talk to me, you know, so – I talked to Coach Jay today, and, and I told him what I was bothered by, and he laughed. And he said, you're like a mini Coach Jay. I said, well, I don't know about mini, but, yeah. You know, a giant Coach Jay. It's not far from you. Um, and, you know, been blessed to be able to talk to – don't tell my greatest counterparts, but I've, you know, talked to Coach Draven at Bethel and, and you know, asked him, like, how, oh, man, how did you get to where you are? You know, where do you see yourself as a successful coach or what do you need to do better at? And, you know, just ask and try and learn as much as I can so that I can be the best coach, you know, now that I'm on the other side of the, of the line there. But um, so that's what I kind of take away is, you know, how can I learn every day to get better? And the other thing I take away is, you know, that um, it's not that if you want to be really good, it's not the nicest, you know, way to go about it. It's hard. It's ugly. It's a lot of no's. It's a lot of disappointments, you know, like we had a successful season last year, but you know, I left a very disappointing taste in my mouth. So um take what you can learn from that. And, and then, you know, the guys that are returning from the team, you can tell that they're not satisfied with that. And, and I remind them, like, Hey guys, like, I don't know if you guys have gotten over that loss, but I haven't. And I know coach Jay's not over it. And I know coach Ross, my assistant, he's not over it. Like that still drives us, you know, in the summer, I'm just trying to get better. Well, you, you brought up semi state might as well go there now. Uh, how obviously you got, it was the exact opposite of the regional final, right? The regional final, you guys were down and made it this, this comeback to remember forever. And then semi-state was the exact opposite, the big lead, uh, an opportunity to go to the state finals. And then, uh, and then it falls apart in the second half and, and, and the season ends. What takeaways do you take from uh, that loss that can now help the guys who were probably sitting on the bench, seeing it happen while watching, you know, the, the seniors ha have it happen to them on the floor. What, what takeaways can you as a coach and, and your younger players take away from, from from that game for my players you know you can unfortunately i had to go back and watch the game and it's as bad when i watched it as it was when i lived it um but you know you can break down and go like look here's a you know a mistake that a player should make you know like uh, either a poor decision defensively or a poor pass or a poor shot um you can break that clip down and say look you know in your opinion good or bad and most guys go well it's bad. Well, why is it bad? You know, and then you you kind of teach them along the way and go, you know, about time and possession and you know never 
playing, you know, playing to win, not playing to lose. I mean, I think that's what happened to us. We started playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Um, and as a coach, you know, as an assistant coach, man, it devastated me because, you know, in the worst way I wanted to get Coach Jay to that, that state game, you know, he deserved it. I mean, if anyone deserves to be there, he does. He's a heck of a coach and a heck of a guy. And so that, that hurt to not get him there. But, you know, talking to him, you go back. I don't think he's watching. I don't think he ever will. Um, but, you know, going back and watching it and going like, okay, what did Coach, you know, you can tell, you can, I'm hard to miss on the tape. You can tell when I'm making a call. You can tell on Coach Jay because you can actually hear him, even though there's, you know, how many thousands are that You still hear the guy. Um, and you go like, well, was that the right or wrong call? And you go, you know, that, hey, that was the right call. And then you go, why did, you know, Coach Jay make that call? Or you say like, man, I shouldn't have called that play, which happened a couple times. And you go, okay, well, what should I have called or what would have been better? And, you know, it sucks and it hurts, but, you know, that's how you learn. And, and so I think we're better for it. And uh, I think our guys have learned and they've kind of passed those hard lessons down the line. Jake mentioned the, you know, your height and your growth spurt that you had. Uh, if you look back, you know, you're a Concord High grad and people watching or listening or sometimes may think you're from out of the area because they never really heard of you from your high school days because you didn't have a tremendous high school career. And then you obviously become an All-American at, at Grace. Take us through that journey of when the growth spurt kind of happened for you and and how your basketball career uh, skyrocketed uh, w- once you uh, started becoming a seven-footer? So uh, I was a guard uh, for the majority of my high school career, um, which paid off for me later down the road because I was a big that could kind of see at the court like a guard did. Um, just not as fast, uh, but that's okay. Um, and so I grew kind of in between my junior and senior year was my, my biggest growth spurt. Grew eight inches and then another two inches after the, my senior year. Um, and so we played, it was like a late summer tournament. I think it was Coach Austin when he was at Northridge. And um, he asked me, he goes, well, where'd you come from? And I said, I don't, I don't know what you mean. He goes, well, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Concord. He goes, yeah, I know before that. I said, no, I, I went to Concord from kindergarten and I'm graduating from Concord. He was like, I've never heard of you or seen you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I don't know. Um, and so it was, uh, you know, it was a tough, tough learning curve, you know, going, you know, one morning, uh, walking out of my bedroom to the next morning, hitting my head on, on the door frame, you know, it was that kind of thing and overreaching for the salt, you know, at the dinner table and that kind of weird stuff. And then trying to become, you know, don't look like Bambi out on the basketball court. Um, so it was a hard learning curve, but, you know, it was fun and exciting, um, even though you kind of got laughed at. You know, the embarrassing thing is, like, two years after I graduated, I went back to a friend's house, and they had we had a highlight tape. Uh, Coach Colton makes a great highlight tape, FYI. And so it's a DVD, and it has our photo of a team. And, and I said, oh, you got my highlight tape. That's so cool. And my friend's mom goes, oh, yeah. She's like, um, they were really good. I said, yeah, we were really good. She said, well, where did you play? So I, that team, that's me. And I pointed myself out and she goes, I do not remember you. And I was like, that hurts. That's a shot to the uh, old confidence, but self-esteem took a hit. But that's okay. Um, so I don't think many people remember me from Concord even to this day, unless they were directly involved in basketball. I don't think they remember me. You know, it is what it is. And um, I think that kind of gave me a chip on my shoulder in another way as I'm at Grace. You know, I wanted to make sure that people remember me. That I was good enough to be remembered and 
and uh, had a good coach staff behind me and, and I was able to kind of make some waves of grace and do some special things. You played a uh, professional ball during a, a really interesting time for big men as a whole, you know, as the, the idea of a forward of a center is changing kind of in basketball as the three point shots becoming more prevalent. And I just wanted to ask you, you touched on it a little bit earlier with, you know, your background as a guard, you're able to see the floor a bit better, see it in a different way. And, you know, what kind of perspective perspective did you have playing as long as you did professionally in a time where the role of a big man was really transitioning? Yeah, that's a great question um, because, you know, coming out of high school, as soon as I grew, they were like, okay, you don't, don't even go near the three-point line. What are you doing? Unless you're setting a screen, get the heck away from there. And then as I was at Grace, you know, things started to change. You started guarding guys that started to pull jumpers and you're going like, man, this guy's, why is he shooting threes? And you see guys, in the NBA starting to change. And then I think my second or third year, I had a coach um, while I was overseas that kind of said like, Hey man, if you want to like continue to play and kind of increase your longevity, you got to have a decent jumper. You don't have to be, you know, a Steph Curry shooter. Um, although I don't think he was really there yet. I'm old. Um, <laughs> but you know, you need to be able to shoot. So, okay. And so, you know, you had to change your game. Um, you know, was I like some crazy three-point shooter now? Um, but enough to keep people honest. And then, you know, having that guard back, background, it was uh, – helped me out because the pro offense, you know, I don't know how much you watch like the NBA or any overseas basketball, they require you to kind of move a lot through the offense. There's not a lot of standing. There's not a, like a ton of back to the basket. So, you know, I found myself dribbling the ball, you know, across the three-point line to a guard and, you know, back cuts and flashes and being able to read those. And I don't think if I would have been 6'10", you know, from eighth grade on, I don't think I would have had that skill set. I would have had to train it or, you know, work it into my game. But I kind of had there. So I knew where guys are supposed to be. And and then as you get, you you know, with anything, you know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So as time progressed, I got better and better at, you know, reading the floor and being able to see guys and where they should be and, and be able to make some decent passes. You spent 10 years playing overseas. When along that journey, did you realize you wanted to become a coach? I always did. Um, I knew, you know, I grew up, my dad was a coach and, you know, sitting in the gym, watching him do that, you know, you're like, man, he gets paid to sit in the gym. This is crazy. Um, you know, I didn't realize, you know, all the fun stuff that comes along with it, but, um, as I got older and, and in college, you know, I thought, man, this is such a fun, you know, just to get to work, you know, your job is a game. What could be better than that? Um, when I was overseas, um, I started coaching, you know, young teams under 16, under 14 uh, teams and, and working with young kids. And I was like, man, you know, I loved it, enjoyed it. Um, and then, you know, I had a coach ask us, you know, would you want to be a coach or do you want to do player development? And I was like, man, that's a great question. And I just don't, I don't think I have the temperament. I mean, player development coaches are so up tempo. Um, and, and I love, I love the, you know, the holistic approach of a coach um, where you got to be able to get guys better and you got to be able to see the game from pretty much every, every viewpoint. And um, I knew that that's where I was going to go. You know, it's just, that's the natural progression. And, you know, unfortunately can't play basketball forever. It's just father time is going to get you eventually. So, um, it was just a matter of when I make that jump. Obviously, a big part of playing overseas is is the time difference. And when you were in Australia, it was 16 hours, right, at, at some points. And what was that like in, in communicating with family and friends back home? And then what was eventually the adjustment of coming back to the States like? 
Um, so when I first started playing, you know, there really wasn't like Skype was like the new thing. Um, so, you know, for your younger listeners, you have to Google, I think. Uh, then Mr. Colin, how did Skype mess up COVID? Man, they messed up. They didn't even um, so I'd Skype. And so that was tough. You know, you had to do early in the morning or typically it'd be um, late, late at night for me and, and kind of morning time for my, my family. Um, so that was tough to start with. And then, you know, things got better, the iPhone, FaceTime. And then it was, it got easier and easier um, to kind of communicate where you kind of communicate communicate in real time which made it easier and um, some guys struggled with the you know being away from family um, I was really blessed everywhere I ended up I had like a, a family that just felt like they needed to take me in and so it always worked out well for me in that respect so I had someone that you know hey come over for dinner it's like hey awesome you know if you feed me you're probably gonna be your best friend forever um, <laughs> so that that worked out well for me um, flying to Australia, I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity, but if you haven't, you should go to Australia. It's an absolute amazing country. Um, going down is not bad because you leave here at about 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock uh, West Coast time, and you arrive at like 7 a.m. their time. So you pretty much you get on a plane, you, you watch a movie, you go to sleep, you watch another movie or two, and you watch the sun come up and you just kind of go into your day. So it's not terrible. You have maybe a of three to five days of, of jet lag and then you kind of get over it and move on coming home hurts um because you lose a day so if you you know you leave on a tuesday or excuse me um, going down you lose a day coming back you pretty much leave and arrive at the same time so um the last time i flew back you know my flight took off about 8 30 8 45 a.m i think and i got home in, in my house here in indiana at like 11 30 a.m you know so it's like this your body's just wrecked and you know you find yourself trying to eat dinner at like four in the morning and you know it's weird stuff so coming home is a little bit tougher but um man it's, it's a great time down there i loved it and uh great sports country they love their sports down there so if you ever get down there watch some footy rugby they got great basketball as, as you know it's starting to make a name for itself worldwide so highly recommend them as you were transitioning back from playing to, to wanting to coach, how did you end up? Did you find Coach Jay or did Coach Jay find you? Coach Jay found me. Um, so I got back and it was like, all right, you know, what am I going to do? Because I came back kind of sudden. I blew my knee out. And so, you know, that's kind of a sudden stop. So um, it was a big rehab finished rehab, took about 15 weeks to rehab and then another, excuse me, 15 weeks before I start rehab and then about eight weeks before they were like, he could probably be good to go. Um, so, you know, came home and I was like, uh, um, so I kind of lucked out. I got a job with uh, the Pacers AAU kind of stuff. So I helped do summer uh, camps with them and, and then that gave me kind of the freedom to kind of search around and look, you know, for teaching jobs and coaching positions. And then, um, my college coach called me, Coach Kessler, and he said, hey, what do you know about Mark Johnson? I said, he's coach at Riley. He goes, well, he's not at Riley anymore. And he's at St. Joe. And I said, oh, okay. And he goes, well, he's looking for a coach. And, you know, I gave him your number. He's going to call you. I said, okay. Coach Jay called me, I think, that afternoon. We talked for, I don't know, 10 minutes. And he was like, great. He's like, you're hired. He's like, someone's <laughs> going to call you. I said, like, okay. Um, and then I interviewed and, and I, you know, within 
I think it was like two weeks since I was from when I first talked to him before I signed on the dotted line. And, and uh, that's kind of how I got here and, and uh, couldn't, couldn't ask for a better fit or, or better uh, coach kind of work under. Did you know when you were coming on board that being a head coach was a possibility? Cause obviously you knew coach Jay wasn't going to stick around for, for too long. Did you know that was a possibility or yeah, did he was very upfront? He said, okay. um, you know, I, I can't do this forever. Um, he kind of gave me a time frame, and he said, "This is my time frame. You know, if you find something better in that time frame, by all means. But if you stick it out, then this is your position. That's great." Um, so that was his first selling point. His second selling point is, "I got a team. I think I can develop into a state caliber team." And I said, "Well, hey, who doesn't like to win? I'll see if I can't help you along the way." And, and those are just kind of his two selling points. Um, and, and, you know, Coach Jay's a pretty good salesman. So um, I was pretty – after that first conversation, I was pretty ready to just go. I was like, yeah, man, I'm sold. And wrapping things up, Eric, uh, what can we expect uh, the St. Joe Indians this year? Uh, the always favorite question the coaches get of uh, from from media, fans, parents – players sometimes what do you what do you think this team can do obviously we talked about at the forefront the transition not having uh that big senior class anymore but do you think this team can can do some special things this year i mean do you want me to give you a coach jay answer or uh, <laughs> no, i won't do that to you i think i think we're gonna be i think we can be pretty good um there's a lot of ifs and buts in there um but i think we'll be better than people expect um and I think that um, we can do just about anything we want. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is there's some really good teams in the area that that's going to be hard for us to, to go against. And and uh, but I, I've been super, in a good way, surprised with how well our guys have kind of come together this summer and how hard they're working and and how badly they want they want to win. Like they got that taste of that postseason run and. And thank God we got a little bit of that Indiana basketball where there's fans allowed. And I don't think guys have had that before, you know, because you know and I know. And, and um, you know, when I played, I don't know if you ever got to come see us playing when I was back in high school, but, you know, there's several thousand people in every gym we played in. And so I think those guys still talk about that, right? Like, man, that was so loud. I've never been in something so loud. And, and so they're real hungry to, to try and, you know, be as successful, if not more. So I think we're going to be – good you know i don't know if we're gonna be great or special like coach jay says but we'll be good what would have the coach jay answer been <laughs> um this is being recorded so i don't know if i can give them all <laughs> to you but uh, <laughs> he probably would have said good but not great um something like that or he might have or it doesn't matter how we are in november we just got to get better by the time we yeah. get to march so he would have said like well, what's the matter Come talk to me in, in March. Come talk to me. Yeah. Let you know. <laughs> exactly. Well, Eric, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. We're excited for you to take over at St. Joe. Uh, we appreciate, uh, you know, taking a, almost a half hour of your time to speak with us and telling us about your journey and be best of luck this upcoming year. I appreciate it. I love coming on and uh, we'll see you. See you down the road. All right, that's Eric Gaff, the new head coach of the St. Joe Boys basketball team. For Jacob Morris, I'm Angel DiCarlo. This is the Redeemer Radio 95.7 Sports Summer Series.